Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from MDR-approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We are kind of in a strange situation today. Uh, Bridger and I were preparing for a fly on the wall episode and he had something really urgent come up and he had to leave. And so I grabbed my handy husband (laughs) to join me. So this is Ryan. Um, Several of you may have already heard about him, talked to him, met him, listened to him on his podcast. Emailed me. Yes, Yes. emailed, um, all kinds of things. But here is Ryan on Notice That, (laughs) on video, on YouTube, and- For a fly on the wall episode. For a fly on the wall, yeah. So this is kind of crazy, but I'm super excited. We had this moment earlier where I was like, uh, we've never done this before. This is kind of a monumental moment for us. It's a moment, like a huge moment, and I'm just a super fan, and I love the Fly on the Owl <laughs> episodes. So the idea of getting to participate in one is really awesome. What's it like to be a super fan? Like, that's um, so I mean, weird to me. I, I hear you listen to it all the time. <laughs> You're referencing the episodes all the time, but like there's something really odd about It's super strange. Like my experience of it is really bizarre because I have these relationships with all of, you know, the three of you and Caleb, and I will be listening to an episode and then I'll get a phone call from one of you. Uh-huh. And your voices are the same, and it, but it's completely out of context, but I feel like I was connected to you in while I was listening. Right. And then I want to reference something like it was a conversation that we were actively <laughs> having. But yeah. then when I reference it to one of you, because sometimes the recording was, you know, weeks ago, or if I'm listening to episodes from years ago, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> then there's no reference for the conversation. And so it's a really strange experience to have a connected relationship with each of you and then have my fan relationship with each of you inside the podcast. It even feels weird to hear you say <laughs> that. Like, it's so bizarre. But I laugh out loud, I cry, I I feel so connected because I know the language and we have conversations about yeah. the topics that are explored on the podcast. And so for me, it's it's this experience of getting to connect with memories that I have, like virtual others of you yeah, um, in a way that has just s- such rich history hmm. and such like strong connection Mm -hmm. and so it's a very very strange experience when i'm just like mowing the lawn and listening to the fly on the wall episode (laughs) well thank you like honestly like thank you for jumping in and kind of saving the day on this one and being willing to jump on the air to ten thousand listeners it's gonna be a fun topic (laughs) i will so what we were 
kind of talking about and we can see where it naturally unfolds Mm -hmm. um but with the fly on the wall series the goal and intention is really around like giving our listeners a glimpse into our subjective experience Mm -hmm. as a therapist as a way to relate to everybody that's listening is also a therapist and just to kind of like connect and for people to feel validated and seen and so in asking you to do it my thought was like what if we talked about like marriage Mm -hmm. as a therapist and as a non-therapist yes and what that experience is like Mm -hmm. and like the benefits and the joys of it and then sometimes the struggles and the difficulties of it yeah the the topic i you know, haven't had given it a ton of like explicit thought to really? put like because I just asked you like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> so it's going to be a little unfiltered. But even in the Very last fifteen minutes, it's been this experience of really like exploring almost like two lifetimes of like what it was like to be in like a partnership with you before like oh, yeah. separated from Beyond and separated from the work that you do, and then what it's like to be in a partnership with you after beyond and getting to learn like I, I feel like i got to see behind the curtain yeah because uh, i've taken sip one i've taken tick i've taken sip two and i listen to the podcast and um, so really there's almost like three sections there's and just for everybody listening the history ryan and i have been in a relationship since we i was 16 yeah, you were 17, 17. Mm-hmm. so babies yeah 17 18 um, years ago we met. Grown up together, mm-hmm. seen a lot of life together, now have four children together. Um, yeah, just a lot of history in there. So in the first part of being just two humans, both non-therapists, then mm-hmm. in the middle of me being a therapist, but a very different therapist than yeah. what I feel like I am now. Mm-hmm. And then that transformation into like finding like our connection with our community here and seeing the evolution and growth in me as a therapist, you as a human, Bridger and Melissa, and like how we've all come together and grown Mm -hmm. into being the type of humans and clinicians that we are now. Um, So let's kind of, I guess let's start and maybe that could organize the episode. It's like we go through those three sections of the Mm -hmm. experiences. and hopefully this is interesting to you all, but I'm super excited to hear his experience and to talk about it. So if it's not interesting, I guess just skip this episode, but <laughs> I'm pumped. I just am full of gratitude to be a guest on Notice That since the very beginning. It's yeah. just been um, a wondering of like, would I ever fit in on Notice That somewhere? Totally. Yeah. So I think like from the very beginning, what really... Um, attracted me to you was just your caring nature. Like you just had high care and regard for people and animals and your family. And uh, it was, you know, I just experienced it as super altruistic and just like just really um, high ethic. And, you know, we would volunteer like in the church nursery and that sort of thing. And I would just see the way that you cared for children, especially and it just warmed my heart. And I just imagined like, what would it be like to spend a life with a person that cared for people that way? And um, really, and so I think from the very beginning, there was that experience of just watching you care for others. Um, Mm -hmm. Is 
really where it started. And then I, I can remember like that exploration that we had back and forth of what are we going to do for school or, and mm -hmm. what, you know, where are we going and then what are we choosing? And you were just so confident in your path in thinking about psychology and, you know, I'll, I will need a bachelor's degree and then I'll pursue my master's degree and then I'll go and be a, a professional counselor. And I, I think really I'm kind of curious, um, where did the conviction come from? Yeah, as you were saying that, I was just kind of reflecting on that because I know there's so many different paths to getting to this career. Like mm. I talked to professionals who, you know, started out in their degree in that way yeah. and others who it's like their third or fourth career path and mm -hmm. they find themselves there and it's every path is so beautiful in its own, but I've never really thought to consider like mine, I guess. Um, and as you were describing, like how you experienced me mm -hmm. younger, even younger than that, I remember my mom like describing me very similarly and like highlighting mm -hmm. and acknowledging those aspects of me and just saying like, you would just make the best counselor. You would just make mm -hmm. the best counselor. And to me, I had zero framework of what that meant. Like we did sure. not grow up in therapy. Yeah. In fact, like their therapy was thought to be for like people who are really, really sick or struggling or yeah. disabled or it just was not part of the I'm culture. Very stigmatized. Yes, I grew mm -hmm. up in it all. And so I'm actually in hindsight, I'm thinking of I'm surprised she would even say that mm -hmm. because what I don't was know her what context she was thinking yeah. of when she thought of it, but maybe, I mean, she had some feeling on it. Um, I thought of like a school counselor, like when she would sure. say that I pictured my school counselor from elementary school and I just adored her and thought she was such mm -hmm. a special person. So I think there was a lot of that story already written. I don't want to say written for me, but kind of instilled in me of like someone seeing and noticing like natural qualities about me and helping pair like where that would fit. Uh -huh. And so it just felt like an obvious choice to me of like nothing else even seemed interesting. Business, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Like not <laughs> even a consideration. Marketing, nope. Like architecture, mm -mm. like any of the things that mm -hmm. were a lot of other people were attracted to. Math, like what? <laughs> His major. Um, I just had no interest in. And so that was like a clear path of like, well, I'll study psychology. And that mm -hmm. was... A bachelor's and then every single class was just so intriguing and I was excited about the classes yeah. I was taking except for political science and history and all those like <laughs> basics I had to have but um all of the personal relational sciences were very mm -hmm. interesting to me and so I think it just was like a natural fit and I've never really like second guessed it that's been my experience of you like a hundred percent and it's this is evoking a ton of memories that I have of you from our time at Texas Tech mm -hmm. and just the passion and fire that you had about the material that you were learning in your psychology classes. And one memory that is just standing out that I love so much is in your intro to psychology class. Oh, <laughs> your professor asked you to uh, like do some sort of social experiment mm -hmm. and then just kind of take um, data on what yeah. the experience was. And, and then you had to write a paper report, about it. Yeah, yeah on okay. a social experiment and then present it to the class. And so it was, I think, like our, was it our first year or second year there? I don't remember. Probably but. first year, second semester. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was like in the springtime 
And your social experiment was to imitate being like eight months pregnant. I don't know why I came up with that. <laughs> it was like a last minute, I gotta do something. I remember seeing you that morning and it was, you had like a zip up jacket that you zipped uh -huh. up and it was I, like, you couldn't tell it was a pillow. And it just was, it was like really, a cluster of sweatshirts. <laughs> it was quite the perfect bump. And you rode your bike to class. And then you just like <laughs> had the experience of being eight months pregnant. And I remember just in like having so many giggles and just so much fun <laughs> talking about that day. <laughs> to watch people respond to me. I went to all my classes. I, I just honestly don't know where I got the nerve because I could never do that today. But I remember my teachers being like, what has happened? Did I like miss that or something? And I never like acknowledged it as a social experiment. I just did it. And just lived your day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. That and then too, just the, the passion and excitement that you had for research. I just remember like your time as, as research assistant um, was just really invigorating to you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's interesting that I'm going to have to spend some time reflecting on that because graduate school, I wrote a different story about uh -huh. research and like, oh, I hated research methods. And but you're right. In undergrad, I was a part of, I think, three or four different research projects yeah. with different faculty, spent a ton of time doing mm -hmm. research. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I want to get to, this is fun for me <laughs> <laughs> to reflect on with you, but I really want to get to the experience of like, okay, now we're, mm -hmm. we are married, we're have a, you know, facing relationship, yeah. the joys and the challenges of marriage and and just like the to me the weight of the work that we that as a therapist that I do mm -hmm. and how that comes in to like impact our relationship yeah. and our home and our family for the better or for the worse mm -hmm. and what that experience was like and then yeah, I think we can talk specifically of like our growth through like coming together with Beyond, but just in general as a therapist, that experience mm -hmm. and as the husband of a therapist. Yeah, it's it's so strange to think of you with objective like title therapist mm -hmm. um, in my experience because that's never been like the way that I have seen you. Um, like in such a, like, I don't know, finite way. Um, but thinking about like the cross section of the periods of life that we were in and the work that you were doing and, um, you know, what's coming up for me right now is just this, that our partnership was in a space and we had the flexibility where we could just like let you go and pursue lots of things yeah. that you wanted to pursue. And I was so excited to be able to support that. Yeah. I can remember a conversation you coming and saying, there's this five day training, it's in Philadelphia, it's for this thing called EMDR. Wow, what do you think about all of this? Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, ridiculously expensive. <laughs> yes. We don't have any money. <laughs> we had the money, but it was, it, yeah. It was a lot of money for us at that time. It was a ton of money for us It was like a major investment. Yeah. So there's that part of the relationship of just, I enjoyed 
like breathing that freedom into the career that you were pursuing. Mm -hmm. And that made like that looked a lot of different ways and depended on the the position you were in or the facility you were at or the practice you were in. There's also like coming up for me that experience of like what it's like to be a first time parent. Yeah. And I can remember um, just like that constant conversation back and forth of like, is this normal? Is it not normal? What does that even mean? And are they going to grow out of this? And should we be concerned about this or not? And I can remember like really looking to you as a first time dad to help model like what does it mean to be a parent and how do I care for another human? Which is and... interesting because I was too a first time parent. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, looking back, it's like, man, I didn't know what I was doing. I know. I had no idea. The way we parent today, a decade later. Yeah. From the way that we parented before. I don't think we totally botched it, but there's a lot of things <laughs> I would go back and do differently. Oh, the grace from the way that I see the world as a result of some of the things and beyond. And I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah, it offers so much grace and space in that yeah. feeling too. Um. I think one of the, like one thing that was a little confusing for me as a non-therapist, like I would come back and I'd share experience. You know, I'm thinking about mostly, I transitioned into a role where I was supervising, you know, up to 100, 120 people. And yeah. there were, I was, my interactions numbered like 30, 40, 50 in a day from phone conversations and yeah. meetings. and Tons of and management. Of tons of management. of people. Lots and lots of people. And I can remember you asking questions that seemed like way out of left field. Like, why would I even consider that? Things <laughs> like, gosh, I wonder what their experience of that was like. And that was confusing to me. Like, I, I don't know. It was. Um, I actually feel like at times it may have been insulting to you. Like, uh, there were times that I got angry. Just, yeah, more than just confusing. But like, I'm thinking in circumstances where you're managing people from a very objective yes like task oriented mm -hmm. place because you had to like that was the system was because good. that was the mm -hmm. system and the nature of your job and all you really knew and what the expectation was and i i've got a couple of like moments that i'm thinking of where i remember like cringing when you would tell me <laughs> about like an interaction you had but you wouldn't tell me from a place of like yeah this was really tough and this happened it was like no like very objective like can you believe and then like tell me the situation and i would be like oh man like i would feel for the other person mm -hmm. and i think really that feeling so invalidating to you and yeah. what you were trying to share and express to me like uh -huh. you were in some way communicating that being a challenge for you and right. here i am empathizing with the other person who is making it hard on you yeah in your experience even things like oh have you considered possibly saying it this way oh yeah i did say that <laughs> <laughs> several times i I remember and that not feeling like I, I remember those moments saying that and then not getting a response that I thought like ever, you weren't very receptive to it. And then being like, I, I should stop. Like, I should stop giving advice on how to do that job because I could never do it. Yeah. I, and it was just a strange dance because my role and my approach to that role 
um, was very self-objectifying and was very mm-hmm. objectifying to others. And that ultimately is part of the challenge that I came up against when choosing to step away from that, that position. But the, that experience was just, it was confusing to me um, because there was, like, quite frankly, I was operating in a space where um, I was just so binary. I was sorting good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad in behaviors and actions. And um, I had such a, a narrow view on the human experience. Mm-hmm. And once a list of actions ended up in the the bad or the or yeah the bad column, I had a hard time coming back around to seeing the human in that person. Yeah. Cause you had to cut out the humanity in that person to do the job that you were doing. Like in the way I was doing it. In the way you were doing Yeah. Right. To like do to do what you had to do or the what you believed you needed to do in that. If you had a sense of their humanity, it right. would be too painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like to see me as a therapist, as like your empathetic self, to see me so objectifying to other people and to myself? Honestly, again, I I don't think I ever resonated with the feeling of like, I'm sitting in this dynamic with you as a therapist. Like, no, I like left work and I'm home and I'm just being a wife. And to me, that part that's like considering and like empathizing with another person Mm -hmm. and like, feeling with them is is you to me that's not me being a therapist that's me being me and so a little soapbox is i hate when people are like oh therapist jen or like Mm -hmm. oh you're analyzing like no this is like this is me just being myself i don't feel like i'm working right now um but yeah i don't I don't think I ever really thought of it like as a therapist, this is what I think. But I remember like my body feeling a reaction Mm -hmm. to like, oh, these stories are hard to hear. And that tension of wanting to, wanting to change the way you were doing it because Mm -hmm. it felt like my way is the right way, which it's not. Like I I totally agree. I could not go in and manage 150, 200 people Mm -hmm. successfully as me. Um, but feeling like, oh, I don't want him to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Like that feels so hurtful or, but then also feeling the tension of when that's approached, like that didn't feel supportive to you mm-hmm. as a suggestion, <laughs> which I can totally get why it didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I think more of my perspective in that was that feels super icky and uncomfortable but I also trust that, like, I have a ton of confidence in mm-hmm. those strat. I'll call them now. I didn't see them as this at the yeah. time, but those strategies in you as yeah. being highly effective in certain situations, and also like strategies that I loved to feel protected by in some mm-hmm. certain situations where yeah. feeling for everyone was just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point. Um, in our relationship, one of the things that I that I felt was really challenging about your role was seeing what the, what felt like the just immense weight that you carried, and like watching the different strategies kind of um, emerge without feeling like I really had the tools to know what to do or how to be like with you in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
like some of the strategies are like just completely put it in a box and ignore it and never talk about it. Some of the strategies are like come and share just my affect of like, gosh, it was heavy. Mm-hmm. It was hard. I just had you know, this many sessions and here's what it is. Some of the aff- some of the experience was like, I don't know what to do here, like a yeah. helplessness. And before I did I just didn't have um a lot of experience holding space for anybody like that. I just like either my, I feel like and feel free to correct like your experience of this, but my feeling was like, can I fix it? Mm-hmm. If I can't fix it, then gosh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, I mean, can I take care of dinner? I mean, does that help? Right. Um, <laughs> and then. Yeah. I uh, remember things like, well, maybe you just need to like see less people or like, <laughs> yeah. what if you add more time between sessions or, and those were all great suggestions and mm-hmm. I've implemented them at this point. But at that time it, it's like, no, it's not really like the exhaustion isn't just about how many people I'm seeing or yeah. it's not just this formula that if we change one figure in it, it'll come up with something different. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the exhaustion and the weight is the stories that I'm hearing or was just like one client of those six clients that day Mm -hmm. that like, oh, I can't shake this one. Like I'm coming home still feeling the weight of that. I think, uh, oh my gosh, I just have so many things (laughs) popping up that I wanna ask. And I'm also trying to stay aware of time in it. I felt like, and I'd be curious to hear your perspective on it, the way it affected my parenting, I think in a lot of ways for the better and in a lot of ways for like the worse and like a hypervigilance or, um, and I still grapple with this with Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. just such an awareness of like everything is influencing their development. Yes. And so like the mom guilt, uh-huh. the, the weight of every decision feeling like it has tremendous impact. And so we have to make the decision right. Yeah. The fears around like, what if other people hurt, like influence the emotional development and hurt emotionally yeah. our kids unintentionally? Mm-hmm. And how do we protect them from that? All of those things. Yeah, that feels think, like a whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe actually like a whole series on parenting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think to to not like dig real deep into it, but just to speak about the experience of that. And and again, there's so much about my own experience that feels so different after coming and getting to see behind the curtain mm-hmm. of beyond. Um, but in in that space, it was my again like my view of the human experience was was very narrowed and not just in my work but just in in everything and that was i continued into um our parenting yeah and um i have that experience of you too i feel like you had a wider view of the human experience than i did um but i feel like it's even wider now on this side of beyond Um, which almost makes it harder yeah, there's parts that are a lot harder. Yeah. And then too, there's like lots of bright spots of grace. So many. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that experience of like being a, a parent seven years ago, eight years ago, um, was just a lot of hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. As like all of the 
the shame and the anxiety and the concern and the blame that mm-hmm. comes along in those, those hypervigilant strategies yeah. um, that we spend a lot of time talking about. Yeah. And my, I'm just picturing these flashes of moments of like, everything was like right or wrong construct. Yeah. What's the right decision? Yes. And like you looking to me for well, how am I supposed to do this? Is that right or wrong? Right. Or me coming to you like, no, don't do that. That's wrong. This is the right way. Or even coming to you like, I don't know. Should we use this car seat or this one? One's bad and one's right. good. And like, <laughs> right. Just did the tremendous like overall anxiety mm-hmm. with really our first, I think things yeah. shifted a lot mm-hmm. with the second and third and fourth. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like the hypervigilance extended to things that like, we classified as good too, which yeah. are good. Like attunement is supportive to the development <laughs> of children, right? Yeah. Like we can put that into the good category, but, but is there such thing as too much of it? <laughs> the persistent invitation, like relenting invitation to attune in situations Says where our daughter's therapist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe your child doesn't want to process every single situation that they have experienced with the parents. Mm. Okay, I can appreciate that. Thank you so much, therapist. We love you. Really. 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 Um, You know, and so it's such a challenging um, dichotomy. I don't know. How does that Um, translate to being a husband? Like wanting to process although i don't i don't know if that's actually (coughs) my felt experience of i feel like i'm more likely to want to shut down processing and talking about and going deep on and things between you and i because it's like oh i've done this all day Mm. like back then is that what you mean or even yeah, I'd say more so back then, mm-hmm. but even some now, like knowing that strategy of not processing the fun things, the mm-hmm. good things, the like, let's spin up about such sure. and such, but the hard things, mm-hmm. the, I think relationally between you and I, my strategy of avoidance is much more alive than it would be in a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Because like my sure. intention there is to not avoid. Right. It is to invite and to approach mm-hmm. those difficult moments. And then it's like the taxing feeling of that and then coming home like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I. And when you don't have a, a shared language to be able to talk about complex things, um, it's really hard because very quickly turns into a, a can be a very activating experience yeah and we count what, on a conflict or an argument yeah and hope we get to a resolution at the end but mm-hmm. without a shared language we're for sure going to spin around in our own defenses and strategies and yes. activation haunted by ghosts and not being able to talk about that or know it or even recognize it yeah i think you know my yeah part of that time for me was just this really like i just was very dissociated away from my my body experience and you would recognize things but you wouldn't have a language to communicate it to me in a way that i would understand or be able to integrate i remember saying things which feels so narcissistic but 
as you say that it fits now like sometimes i feel like i know you better than you know yourself yeah and i don't believe that at all anymore no. like, that does not feel like reality to me now but there were moments where like i mm -hmm. would be like but i feel this like <laughs> right. i feel it's there and you'd be like well, i don't know that it's there like and then yeah. an hour two hours later you'd be like well, i didn't think about it i didn't realize it until we started right. talking about it yeah i was very separated from my awareness of or I, I was separated from the awareness of my especially my somatic experience yeah what that would look like I want to pause here for mm -hmm. our break because I, I have a, another kind of connecting there, but spinning up into another piece of this before mm -hmm. we wrap up. So we'll take a quick break where you can hear about some of the things we're offering here at Beyond, some of the things we're excited to share about, and then we'll be back to talk a little bit more. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> okay. Is there any like silence we need to do to come back? No, I'm just curious. How does that work for the YouTube? Video. The break? They clip it, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I was just told to do it. Cool. Is it maybe not going to work? Is this whole thing going to be on there? I mean, we can cut it out. Okay. Fade in, fade out. We did it on one other episode and it didn't go well. And actually, I don't think that one's being put on YouTube. Okay. So this will be the first one that we're starting we with. I'm wondering if there's something that we put in the middle of the video, maybe? Okay. Just shoot some sort of video. Oh, because there's no ad for right. the, the... We drop yeah. in just something like, check out what's going on, connect beyond healing.com. Just yeah. like a slide or something or... Yeah. Join us in the community. Like yeah. Okay. I, I didn't just think about fast, that. Maybe like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Just some slide them back to it. Okay. Cool. Sweet. I have to think of where I was at. What were we just You were saying? doing a connected thought to me not recognizing my body experience. Oh, okay. Okay, so the thing that's coming up for me now is that we're talking about it in this way, like I could recognize your activation and speak to that and you didn't know it. Like, yes. no, it was not that pretty, right? Like my approach to feeling your activation yeah. was not like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of energy from you and I'm curious what that's about. Could we uh -huh. explore this together? No, it was probably like, what are you so upset about? Like, I can tell you're angry. Like, <laughs> it was probably something. Sometimes it was that direct, not all the time. Right. But just mm -hmm. the, to me, one thing mm -hmm. I want to highlight in this is the difference between I can go to work and sit in a regulated, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. safe, calm place, and really like be what I need to be for my client in that moment uh -huh. and then come home and not be able to do that and yeah and have my own activation and show up with my own strategies mm -hmm. and defense mechanisms and like and I think there's like a misconception that well if you know how to do it here you're going to do it well yeah. in all of your relationships or even like the pressure for ourselves. Like I know I've felt that many times of like, I know better, like I know how to do this, but I just can't right now. Yeah. Like moments where maybe you were pursuing me to like process and open up and I'd be like, I know I can do it. I know how to do it, but like my body literally won't sure. let me stop showing up in this way. Like mm -hmm. I can't like talk about it like that. I feel shut down, I feel closed off, I feel mm -hmm. activated. 
and that like fight between my head and my body of like this is what you could do and you know how to do it and my body's like absolutely not it's hmm. because the relationship is it's drastically different now no no i mean the the therapy relationship right you as role enrolled as therapist with client that relationship the intersubjective space there looks so much different yeah and the relationship here is the connected right the connected human relationship that is a partner like lifelong partnership and so it's so unfair for therapist jen to shame or blame or get angry at human gen mm-hmm. in partnership because it's not at all the same. Yeah. The intersubjective space, that relationship is so drastically different. Yeah. But there is that shame narrative and I don't experience it as therapist because I'm not a therapist, but I experience it as parent. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I can sit that. and I can, I can watch others. I can reflect on my own child experience. I can reflect on what I've learned. Um, you know, since and and how I've grown, and then still, I still get angry. I still like jump and feel rage when like our son is very erratic, <laughs> and he gets really erratic at the kitchen table. And like there was this time yeah. not that long ago that literally the a full ketchup bottle came flying across the table at me accidentally, totally accidentally. I, I mean, it was it, it was out of his erratic behavior. <laughs> And it, it just, my, my body is so jumpy and mm-hmm. I startle so easily. And I, I startle and then I go to rage. Mm-hmm. And I can remember like, I have raised awareness about that and I have gotten to a place where like I have a little bit of a break yeah. where I don't immediately react as a result of my rage. Like the rage is in here, but you've found out how to prevent it from coming right. outward, yeah. But even still, he, he could see it. He felt it because yeah. I have a moment of like, I have to, I have to calm. I have to like yeah. sit here and I can speak to it now. Yeah. And, but it's like, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't have words for what I'm feeling at the moment to be able to summarize that <laughs> in a mm-hmm. way that I feel like the time could, the time allows. Um, but I think the point that I that I really do desire to highlight in what you're saying is that there's grace for the human that is the therapist because you can't generalize a therapy relationship across all of your relationships mm-hmm. because that's such a disservice to the relationships that you have with the with others and of course have desire for per, like personal growth as a result of the the knowledge that you have yeah. in your therapy practice and find people to talk about that with and explore and like wonder and be curious and, and just like test out little pieces and try new things. Um, but yeah, what a, what a space, like I don't want a, that relationship with you. Yeah. Feels so validating to hear you say that because I I know that mm-hmm. right like that's what I would tell a consultee yeah. or a friend that's a therapist I know that but to hear you on the receiving end mm-hmm. of the more subjective human imperfect version of me yeah. still say that feels incredibly validating 
and it doesn't mean like i mean it's it can be messy in that and i think yeah. like you're saying like our growth as professional growth as clinicians in that way can translate into and does like that's all for a whole nother episode of yeah. we said we we're going to get to it but i don't think we have time um how coming into that relationship as beyond has really transformed our personal growth our relational mm -hmm. growth so like the work you're doing can translate in but it's yeah. by no means has to be like perfect right. and part of the beauty of chaos and messiness and diversity mm -hmm. of color within the relationship is about not being that perfect object therapist yeah Mm -hmm. this was great this was amazing do you want to do a podcast series with me <laughs> should we do this more uh, i want to talk about parenting uh yeah we're in the like swimming in the middle yeah we are oh uh, like yeah just all of it okay i think like the one thing that i want to share to like just really cap and i know we didn't get a chance to talk about what like what the last two and a half years has been like for us really um the connection that i experience as a result of having the shared language mm -hmm. of being able to talk about complex experiences inside myself and like pursuing my own personal growth and coming into this world where i can see with such a broader scope yeah of the human experience and i can then turn that and use that as a mirror to try and be curious about my human experience yeah um we are able to navigate conflict in a way and challenge and just we're able to navigate the human experience in such a different way with so much more patience and so much more curiosity and just like lots of space. Yeah. Like there is so much space and freedom in the ability to say like, this part of me is really, really angry. And this part of me is really scared. And this part is really sad. And here's, my curiosities about those things but my connection to you in this space is unwavering irregardless of what these parts of me are saying mm -hmm. and it's just such a beautiful place to be it is and i i think you can face the messiest of storms but when you have that language you can trust you'll come out of it somewhere yeah. connected because mm -hmm. the way you said all of that is not necessarily how we start every, like it's not a language <laughs> right. we use for every conflict, but it's ideally it's where we land. Mm -hmm. um, I think even this podcast recording is a good example. If like 10, 15 years ago, we would have tried to do something like this. <laughs> yes. It probably would have gone similarly, but my felt experience of it may yeah. have been very different of like, oh my gosh, like people are being like let in on these yeah. experiences. Oh, yeah. And I don't really like, what does he feel about that? Like there would have been a, a lot of different activation around it. And just to say like, oh, you want to come talk about some of the most vulnerable stuff of our marriage? <laughs> Not <laughs> totally, but um, on a recording. Yeah. But thank you for being willing to do it. So fun. Yes. Um, for those of you that maybe want to hear a little bit more about Ryan's journey and his career path, mm -hmm. if you haven't already listened he has a podcast called the burnt out educator with his co-host olivia and they both just interview different educators in the field and get to explore the experience of being a human 
in the educational system and really just like support and connect and encourage yeah. one another in that and share stories of what it's like to be fully human, mm -hmm. not just object. So yeah. some of the things we're talking about getting to kind of get a glimpse on the other side of it. Yeah. So you can find that, um, I don't know what the podcast handle is. Or uh, what they Burnout search. Educator. Just, yeah, just on Burnout iTunes Educator. or Spotify. It's also on connectbeyondhealing.com. Thank you guys for listening and we'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.